Thank you, brother and sister duo. It wasn't that a blessing. So we had, uh, we had John song leading, we had John Bible reading, and we had one John in the Bible reading. Any other Johns? I'm not John this morning, I'm Andrew, but uh, it's good to be here, amen, good to be in the house of the Lord. And uh, Pastor Lloyd is away in Thailand with uh, Danny and Jen, and I don't know if there's anyone else that went over there with him, but... Uh, yeah, keep praying for him. Uh, he's going to be preaching this week at their conference there, their annual conference, and it's going to be a big blessing to the pastors and the locals that are going to be there. Uh, for Also for Paul and Brother Sylvester in India, uh, continue to pray for them. I, I believe we're going to have a Skype update from uh, Paul this evening, a live Skype update from him. So we'll hear about what's what's been happening there already, and obviously there's a whole lot more to come that he's going to be doing over there, but appreciate everyone who's been praying for them and uh, also giving financially towards that. I know uh, pretty much everything Paul wanted to be able to take over there and give to the pastors in that in India has been uh, paid for and all of that, so praise the Lord for that, for everyone being involved in that. Um, But just a reminder that when uh, people come from this church and go somewhere else and preach or go and, you know, help out a church or something... That's part of what the Lord's doing here. Uh, that's, we're, we're all a part of that. So if we're giving financially towards it, if we're spending time in prayer for it, uh, if we're just encouraging them, hey, yes, go, we think this is a good thing. Uh, you know, essentially, we're sending our pastor to somewhere else to be a blessing to someone else, but then we also get the blessings from that as well. So it's a good thing for us to do. So just a, a little bit of a reminder for us on that one, but please continue to pray for them. Uh, If you have your Bible, hopefully you do, turn to Titus chapter 1 this morning, Titus chapter 1, and thank John for reading in 1 John, we'll have a look at that in just a second, but Titus chapter 1 this morning, and uh, I'm just going to give you a few simple things this morning, nothing too deep, so just a few little simple things that hopefully can be a help to us uh, just along the way, Uh, every time... I look into the Word of God, there's always just some little helpful things along the way. It's not always some big grandiose thing, and that's really what I want to look at this morning. So Titus chapter 1, and uh, I'll just pray, and then we'll commit, the Lord, commit this to the Lord, and then we'll have a look here. So let's have a word of prayer. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we do thank you uh, that you have a way for us in everything that comes before us, Lord. Uh, thank you, Lord, that we're able to sing this morning of your return. Uh, Just a reminder, Father, that you are coming back for us and you have a place prepared for us, Lord, and uh, you have a will for us and for our life. Uh, Father, we thank you for this gathering this morning. This is uh, your church, Lord. You have built it. Uh, You have built the hearts in here, Lord, and knit us together, and we thank you for that. We thank you this morning, Lord, that uh, our pastor is able to be a blessing in another place and uh, some brothers of our church, Lord, also. And we thank you for doing a work in them and through them and pray that you would please strengthen them. Pray that you would please uh, use your Holy Spirit in them to be a help and a blessing. And uh, help us, Lord, to remember to pray for them. And uh, Lord, we just thank you for being able to be here today. Thank you for being able to open your word this morning, uh, being able to sing unto you because you are worthy of it, Lord. And uh, Father, we just want to commit this time to you. We ask that you please be pleased with all that takes place. And uh, help us in our daily walk with you, Lord. We thank you for who you are. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for our salvation, Father. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to ask you a question this morning. And you can stick your hand up. Have you ever needed to be reminded of something ever in your life? 
ever needed to be reminded of something? Okay, so pretty much most of us have, have had to be reminded of something. I would say probably on the top of the list is maybe like a birthday, maybe an anniversary. Hint, hint. Remember the anniversary. See, I, I'm the one that remembers the anniversary in our marriage. It's Nicole that always forgets when we were married. And that's the truth. I am standing here, no word of a lie. I always remember. But sometimes we need to be reminded of things. We need to be reminded of things. And, you know, it can come down to the fact that getting out of bed, you need to be reminded of that. Your phone goes off or your alarm goes off. That's a reminder. You know, reminders are helpful. Reminders are always something that just, you know, we don't always like it, but we need it. And uh, we don't always need reminding of things because we don't care about that thing. So, like, you know, if you're married or if you have someone you love and they have a birthday or whatever, you don't, if you forget that and then you need to be reminded of that, it didn't mean that you didn't care about that person. You understand what I'm saying? It's just that things get in the way. Life gets in the way. Busyness gets in the way. Uh, so it's not minimising the importance of that thing. It's just sometimes we just let things get in the way and get in the place of it. Reminders can be annoying. Paying a bill. Maybe you get a reminder to pay a bill. Or maybe you get a, an SMS from your local doctor and say, hey, your checkup is due tomorrow. And you're like, stink. I don't want this reminder. I wanted to forget about that one. So they can be annoying as well. But... Like I said before, they are always helpful and they come at the right time. Even if we kind of think, uh, it's a little bit inconvenient now, but they actually do come at the right time. Well, here's a question I want to ask. What about when it comes to our Christian walk? What reminders do we need for our Christian walk? What reminders do you need about who God is? Do you need to be reminded about who God is? Or do we just have all the knowledge stored up and we can always just access it every single time we need it. I know that I need to be reminded of who God is at times. Probably most of the time. Probably every week I need to be reminded of who God is. Or maybe it's what he expects of me. But what do you need to be reminded of in the Christian life? So really, this morning, I want most of us to walk away this morning and say this. I didn't learn much about God today. I went to church and I didn't learn much about God today. But I did get reminded of some things that I already knew. And I needed to be reminded of those things. So that's, that's my prayer, is that we'd walk away today and say, I got reminded of some things and I needed to be reminded of that. I probably read it a hundred times, but I just today I just needed to be reminded of that. I'm going to need that in two days' time. So I'm glad that we, we looked at that this morning. That's my prayer for us this morning. That's my prayer for me. So... Really, quite casual today, I'm just going to look at some things that God has promised to us. So he's written these things in his word, he's promised it to us, and we just need to go, oh, that's right. Oh, he's like that. Oh, that's right, I needed to know that. Okay, that's really all we're looking at this morning. So I've titled this morning's message, God has promised these things. God has promised these things. And here's the first one. And so we're in Titus chapter 1. First one is this, is that God promises never to lie to you. He promises never to lie to you. So Titus chapter 1, look in here in verse, we'll just look at verse 1 verse 2. So it says, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness, verse 2, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Say amen if you're happy that God cannot lie to you. I am super pumped about that. Because that means I know when I pick this book up, 
that I can trust it. It can be trusted. I can stand upon it. You know, if I'm worrying about something and I read it in here and go, oh, okay, God said that. He doesn't lie, so I know it to be true. And that's what he's saying here. So God promises never to lie to you. Now, there is plenty of people in your life that will not lie to you. Yet. Yet. We all do it. You know, we're all sitting here thinking, no, I don't do it. Yeah, you do. We all do it. But there's plenty of people that will not lie to you mostly. But the difference between us and God is that God cannot lie. God which cannot lie. That's what that verse there, have a look at it. You need to see it with your eyes. Sometimes just to remind it, we need to see it with our eyes. Which God that cannot lie. It's actually outside of his realm. He cannot do it. So I can be like truthful to you, you know, 99% of the time, but there's still that 1% chance that I can lie to you. God doesn't have that 1% chance. He cannot lie to you. So you can trust what he says. So that means every single thing in here you can trust. You may not like it, you may not agree with it, you may not even understand it, but I'm putting to you this morning that God's word can be trusted. He said that he's not going to lie. Have a look in uh, 1 John chapter 1. I know that John read that for us, but just flick over to 1 John chapter 1. And uh, it starts off here talking about things that they have seen and they're declaring unto other people and, you know, the things that they've seen in Jesus Christ and all that kind of stuff. So 1 John chapter 1, and we'll just have a look in verse 3. It says, That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. Verse 4, your joy may be full. Verse 5, this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you, that God is what? Light. And in him is no what? Darkness at all. God is light. There is no darkness. There's no shadow of turning in him. There's no, there's no deceit in him. There's no guile in him. He is just pure light. And that's what they're saying here is that we're just declaring this unto you. We want you to know who this God is. And I'm starting with this one purposefully this morning because everything else we look at this morning is going to stem from here. Because if you believe that God can lie to you, it doesn't matter what else he's promised. Because if this one falls down, then the whole thing falls down. So God cannot lie to you. There is no darkness in him. A question for you, why do people lie? You know, if you're honest, if you sit there and think about it, why do I lie sometimes? Or why does that person lie sometimes? Well, sometimes it's just because we want ourselves to look better, to seem better. We want to get our way when our way is not, you know, coming forth. Whatever it is, usually it's a, it's a selfishness thing. At its core is what it is. But I'll say to you this morning that there is absolutely no reason for God to lie to you. Like he said, I'm not going to lie to you, but you also need to understand this morning that he doesn't have a reason to lie to you. Now, I can find a reason to lie to you because if I want to make it about me, I'll find a way to lie to you. I can. I'm not saying I will. I'm saying I can. We all can. But God has no reason to. He, hey, he, why would he create you and love you and send his son to die for you and prepare a place for you like we sung about this morning, like his rapture coming back? Why would he do all that if he's just going to like hoodwink you? Why would he go through all that? He wouldn't. 
He's got no reason to lie to us at all. And have a look here in verse 4. It says here, And these things write we unto you, that your what? Your joy may be full. So reminding ourselves of these things actually can help increase our joy. Hey, do you think you need your joy to be full, a bit more full sometimes? Yeah? I know my, I know I do. And so just reminding myself, oh, that's right. Yeah, that person let me down. Or, you know, these people let me down and they lied to me or they lied about me or whatever. But come back to, guess what? There is one that does not lie. And his name is God. His name is Jesus. His name is the Holy Spirit. He does not lie. And I can remind myself of that. I can believe it. And I can actually increase in joy when I consider that. Considering his characteristic. And really that's what we're looking at this morning is we're just looking at some characteristics of God. But going, oh yeah, I just need to be reminded of that. That's going to help me. Okay, so that's the first one this morning is that God promises never to lie to you, which means really he's promising truth. Okay. And here's the next one. I want you to turn to John chapter 14 with me, please. John chapter 14. John 14. And, you know, I understand that not everyone here may be a Christian. Not everyone here may uh, be saved, have the Holy Spirit inside of them. Um, But here's here's a promise that God gives to us if we have trusted in him, if we have asked him for forgiveness of our sins. John 14 and verse number 16, this is Jesus speaking, and he says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. So Jesus is saying here, when I leave this earth and I go to be with the Father, I'm not going to leave you by yourself. I'm going to give you another comforter. Jesus, is, Jesus was one kind of comforter, but he said, I'm going to leave with you another comforter. When you get saved, you're going to have the Holy Spirit come inside of you. And he is our comforter. The Bible talks about that many times, that he is our comforter. So my question for you this morning is, do you ever feel not comforted? Because if the Holy Spirit is our comforter and he doesn't, it says here that he will abide with us forever, he's not going to leave us, why then do we sometimes not feel comforted when we want to be comforted? When we should be comforted? Is that something wrong that God has done? Well, of course not. Of course not. So why is this? Because it's a real thing that we face. Well, I want you to flick over to John 16 for it real quick and have a look at a verse here. And we'll answer that question. John 16, verse 13. Jesus speaking again. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, talking about the comfort of the Holy Spirit, is come... He will guide you into all truth, because guess what? He doesn't lie. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. So why wouldn't we feel comforted if we have this comforter who only speaks truth, who only speaks what the Father and Jesus Christ have spoken? Why wouldn't we feel comforted? Well, I'll put this to you this morning, is... I think sometimes we have this expectation of, well, because God promised it, 
when, when, see, Jesus promised it, and it's written down for us to look at. He, because he promised that when he went out of the world, the Holy Spirit comes into us when we get saved, and he's our comforter all the time, and he's only ever going to speak truth. Because he's promised that to me, then I should have this overwhelming sense of comfort all the time because the Holy Spirit is with me all the time. I think sometimes we get into that little mindset of, well, the Holy Spirit's in me, and he's the comforter, therefore I should just be comforted. I should just feel it all the time. I should just have this overwhelming sense of it all the time. And I think that's a trap that we can fall into as Christians. Because yes, he is there all the time and he is only ever speaking truth. He does not lie to us. But he also only works through certain channels. And he only ever speaks at a certain volume. So sometimes when we're feeling like, oh, I just need to be comforted, and we may not voice it like that, whatever we're feeling, exasperation or just a bit of confusion in our life or some hurts come in, and I'm feeling like I need to be comforted, and we're not getting that comfort, it might be that we're stifling that process because we're complaining about not being comforted and we're not listening to the spirit of truth speaking to us. So he, the, the Holy Spirit will give us truth from the Word of God. He will never contradict what is in the Word of God, because He is God. It is His words as well. So if we're not feeling comforted, if we're not getting that comfort from Him, maybe it's because we're not actually listening to Him. Maybe it's because we've got all this other stuff going on and we're just concerned and worried and stressed. And yes, we get into that place sometimes, but we've got to actually step away from it and go, oh, what does the Lord say about this? What do I need to listen to with him? I need to just like get outside of this busyness and this noisiness and just get on my knees and listen to what God's actually saying to me. I need to stop being preoccupied with all these other things that take my thought time and all this kind of stuff and take my heart and actually just go, what does God say about that? What's he saying to me? When was the last time you asked, Lord, what do you think about that? I just want you to... Talk to me. Can you just help me to listen to you? And that may be as simple as, actually, I need to come to church today and just purpose to listen to what comes out of this word. Hey, I'm, you know, I'm probably the most guilty here of coming to church and going through the motions. You know, I'm here all week, or probably pastor as well, but I'm just saying, I'm here all week and then I come on Sunday and I can just be like, yeah, it's just another, just another work day. I don't necessarily always come going, God, what do you want me to hear today? What does your Holy Spirit want to say to me today? So he's promised comfort and I can get you know, stressed and all this kind of stuff and not feel like I'm getting what I need from the Holy Spirit, but sometimes it's because I'm not actually just getting apart and listening to him. And he's not going to yell at me. He's not going to yell at you. Like I said, he's only going to speak at a certain volume. Still small voice, the word of God talks about. So maybe we're hindering that process of that comfort. But God is a God of comfort. God is a God of truth. And it says in these verses here that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. So it's all stemming from that first one. He's not going to lie to us, but at the same time, he's going to speak through the channels he speaks through. He's going to speak through the word of God. He's going to speak through the person who, who gives the word of God. He's going to speak when you are alone with him and, and listening to him, not just talking at him. That's how he operates. So sometimes we need this reminder to just get quiet and listen to his comforting. 
As simple as that. Just need to be reminded to get away and listen to him. And sometimes we need to just believe the first one, that his word is truth. Just, that's right, he's not going to lie. Okay. So he's not going to lie to us, but also he promises to give us a Holy Spirit comforter. Here's a third one. Uh, Psalm 103. Can we flick over there? Psalm 103. Have you ever uh, held a grudge against someone? I see everyone acknowledged that they'd forgotten someone's birthday, but (laughs) seriously, I think we've all held a grudge against someone. We've all gotten annoyed at someone and been like, I'm just going to treat them a little bit differently because they did this or they didn't do that. So God doesn't hold grudges. He speaks truth, he comforts us, but he also promises that sin forgiven is sin forgotten. He doesn't hold a grudge against us for what we've done in the past and he's forgiven. Psalm 103, verse 8, it says this, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. Look at verse 10. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. You know, God doesn't kick people when they're down. He doesn't hold grudges and he doesn't kick people when they're down. But you know what? He also doesn't try and tear people down when they're being built up. You know, the whole tall poppy syndrome that we have in Australia, like, he doesn't do that. When someone's on their way up, he doesn't try and like knock them back a notch. But he also isn't there going, oh, yeah, you're, you're terrible, you're useless, you're hopeless. He doesn't kick us while we're down. And he doesn't go, oh, I've forgiven you of that thing, but I'm just a little bit wary of you, so I might just treat you a little bit differently. He doesn't do that. So when he's forgiven our sin, he's forgiven our sin and he's forgotten our sin. And these verses here are so powerful. It says that for as a high, the he, verse 11, as the heaven is high above the earth, that's how, that's how great his mercy is toward us. Now, how far is the heaven high above the earth? Has anyone ever measured that? <laughs> I don't think so. But here's the thing. Verse 12, it seems even greater. As far as the east is from the west. How far away is the east from the west? You cannot get further than that. He's taken our sins and he's removed it from us as far as that way is from that way. That's infinite. Infinitely forgotten. Infinitely taken away from us. He's not going to remind you of it. He's not going to bring it up when you're lying in bed at night. He's not going to bring it up. He's not going to make you think on it. He's not going to have you know, it written down in the verse here. Hey, remember when you did this thing? You, did, you were a really bad person and you still are. He's, it, you're not going to see that in here. He's removed it as far as the east is from the west. So God promises that our sin forgiven is sin forgotten. I'll read you this, Isaiah 43, verse 25. It says this, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember thy sins. So he's stating here, he's promising here, not only have I 
removed it from you as far as east from west, but also I'm not even going to remember it. Hey, doesn't that like make your brain explode that God cannot remember something? I mean, if we don't remember something, we're just slack or getting old or, you know, whatever it is. But God has chosen not to remember things, our sin. So he will not bring it up. So if it, if it does come up, and it does come up, it's never God doing it. Hey, we need to be reminded of this this morning. God does not remind you of your sin. He may say, hi, oh, we were once like this, but now we are translated or something like that. But he never says, hey, remember when you and make you feel bad about it. He does not do that. You know, this verse in Isaiah, I just read that he says he'll blot out our transgression. It reminds me of, did you guys ever use whiteout in high school or primary school or whatever, correction tape? Uh, it's all fancy now, but whiteout, that was the original. Whiteout. So you could make a mistake and you could white that out as long as your paper was white. It looked pretty clean and looked pretty neat and you couldn't see what it was. That's, that's the picture I get when I read that verse, that he's blotted it out. Okay, But here's the thing. It does come back up again, so why does it come back up again? Why do we think on it sometimes? Why do we feel bad about it at times? Did you ever like find that after a day or so you could like pick away that whiteout and you could see what was underneath? It start to crack? Did you ever like hold up your piece of paper in the light and you could kind of see what it might have been said underneath, try and find out someone else's secrets? <laughs> well, God doesn't do that. Satan is called the accuser of the brethren in Revelation. In, uh, in Jeremiah 17, God reminds us that our heart is deceitful and wicked. And through, oh, I don't know, the whole Bible, he reminds us that people are people and people are, don't always have others' best interests in mind, so they'll try and pick things out in people's lives. Just pick a little bit of that white out out. Hey, remember that? You're not clean. You're not righteous, you're not holy. I know who you really are. Family are really good at doing that. People that know you really well are good at doing that, reminding you of what you used to be like before you got saved. Well, God doesn't do that. He goes, no, you're my son, you're my daughter now. You're in my family and here's the future for you. He doesn't remind you about what was back there. So we just got to be careful that we don't forget, this is a reminder this morning, that God promises your sin forgiven is sin forgotten. So when you get those thoughts, when you're thinking on it, it could be your own heart doing that. When you get that, when you get people talking about it or you know, making you feel bad about it, whatever it is, you can choose to say, you know what, I'm not going to listen to that because God doesn't do that. The Holy Spirit doesn't do that. He comforts, he builds up, he does not bring down. So I don't need to listen to it. It may be the person that you love most in the world, but you don't have to listen to that. You don't have to listen to that. It doesn't matter who it is because that's not from God. Now, I'm not saying the person who's saying it is the devil himself, but I'm saying you don't have to listen to that. You can say, no, that's not how God talks. That's not how he operates. And I'm going to operate in truth. He's forgiven. He's removed it. And he's forgotten it. So you can work on what's true, not just what you feel. Understand those feelings come. They're real. But you don't have to operate in that. You just operate in truth. Okay, So praise the Lord that 
he does build up. Praise the Lord that he has a mind to strengthen us and a heart to strengthen us, not to bring us down. So he promises that our sin is forgiven and is forgotten. Let's have a look at another one here. This is one of my favourites, my all-time favourites. So James chapter 1. James chapter 1. It's probably my all-time favourite because I guess it's something that I know I always need. (laughs) And when I'm reminded of it and I do it, I see the results of it and I can praise the Lord more for it. So James chapter 1. It says this in verse number 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. You know, God promises wisdom when we ask in faith. God doesn't promise to make you smarter. Dang it. (laughs) All the high schoolers went, dang it. And praying that God would make me smarter. Well, he can. It's in his realm. But he doesn't promise to make you smarter. He promises to give you wisdom when you ask for it and when you ask for it the right way. Hey, how good is wisdom? I mean, you look in Proverbs, you see how good wisdom is. God's wisdom, not our wisdom. Our wisdom is nothing. But God's wisdom, it's awesome. It really is. So if you ask for it, he's going to give it to you Now, wisdom is not being smart, it's the right application of knowledge. It's knowing how to use it, knowing how to use it the best way, the right way, in a way that pleases God, not just in a way that gets you what you want. That's what wisdom is. So this word here, wisdom, in James chapter 1, it actually has two main ideas. I looked this word up and it has two main ideas. And here's the first one. It has the idea of Skill and discretion in imparting Christian truth to the non-Christian. Skill and discretion in imparting Christian truth to the non-Christian. You know what that's saying, essentially? Sharing the gospel effectively. So having skill in sharing the gospel effectively. So you can ask the Lord, hey, I need wisdom in sharing the gospel with this person and he can give it to you. There's not much better thing than being able to effectively share the word of God with somebody else. A lot of the time I get a student in school say, hey, I need to know about salvation. Or how do you get saved? Had one last week. How do you not go to hell? My prayer is James 1 verse 5. Lord, please give me your wisdom because I need it and I want to share this truth correctly. I want it to get into that student's heart. I want to help that person. But I need your wisdom, Lord. So every time that opportunity comes to me, that's what I pray. Hey, and, it, and I see it actually happen. I see that that kid thinks I'm really smart, but I'm not. It's actually because I've asked for wisdom. I'm being serious. It, will actually, it surprises me when I talk to them and something comes out and I'm like, where did that come from? And you can see it just hit their heart. You can just see that their eyes change or you know, they, it, they clicked or something like that. And I know right away that's, that was the answer to my prayer. That's God's wisdom right there. And he promised to give it to me if I asked the right way. I can ask the wrong way and he may not give it to me. But when I do it the right way in faith, which is what verse 6 talks about, not wavering, believing that he can do it, then he gives it to us. 
It's really cool. It, it really is. It's really good. And I'm sure those of you who regularly share the gospel with people, you probably already do that. But it's just a reminder for us, hey, we need to, we need to do that. So that's the first aspect of it, that, that word wisdom, imparting Christian truth to the non-Christian. The second one is this, knowledge and practice of the requisites for godly and upright living. So really, the first one is about sharing the truth with other people. The second one is about making sure that we're making good decisions in the Christian life. Am I making good decisions? I need wisdom, God's wisdom, to make good decisions. I need God's wisdom to understand this so I know how to walk. Essentially, that's what it's saying. Making choices that reflect our calling as a Christian. That's... Do you guys need wisdom in that? I know I do. I don't make every you know, choice correct all the time or every choice please God all the time. So it's got to reflect my calling. Proverbs 3, 6, very familiar verse. It says, In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. And then verse 7 goes on to say, Be not wise in thine own eyes. So God's saying you can have your own wisdom, your own way. That's great but he's actually promising his wisdom, which you see results from. And it pleases him. It helps people. Okay? So a reminder this morning, God is a God who gives his wisdom. He shares it with us if we ask for it, believing. You know, gaining wisdom isn't a smart people thing or a how long have you been saved thing or a how much do you know of the Bible thing. If you know James 1.5, you know enough, pretty much. It's an ask and receive thing. So if you feel like I don't have the wisdom I need in those two areas of my life, it's not because God's holding out. It's because he has a process. He promised it if we ask in faith. But maybe you need to be humble and say, look at verse 5. If any man lack, maybe you need to go, actually I lack. I don't have it. Or my wisdom is not enough. Maybe there just needs to be a little bit of humility there. Uh, verse 6, maybe you've asked for it, but you're not asking in faith, believing. So you, pretty obvious, I know, we all understand, but whenever there's an error in any of these processes, it's usually, well, it's always on our part. It's always on human level. It's never God has a problem with this or God is not able to. Okay. So God's promised to share his wisdom with us. That's incredible in my books. Next one, let's have a look at this. Two more. Isaiah 26. Can we have a look at Isaiah 26, please? Isaiah 26. I don't know about you, but uh, I look around today and I'm noticing more and more unrest in people, in hearts, in relationships, in families. There's a lot of unrest happening. I mean, sleep deprivation, anxiety, all that kind of stuff. It's it's prevalent in our world today, but Christians aren't immune to it either. We can face unrest ourselves. Isaiah 26, and let's have a look in verse number 3. It says this, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Isn't peace underrated? <laughs> God's peace, isn't that underrated sometimes? I think we can all be guilty of underrating God's peace, how good it is, how much we need it, how much we need to be reminded that it's available. 
But there's three words I want to look at in this verse real quick. And the first one is that word peace. They will keep him in perfect peace. That word peace is talking about safety, contentment, prosperity, fruitfulness. That's what that word peace is talking about there. Now, I can find myself in a lot of discontentment and a lot of worry and a lot of anxiety. But God's saying you can have the opposite of that. You can have safety. You can be content with your situation. If that situation doesn't change, you can be content in it. The answer is not always just change the situation or change the circumstance or change the problem, the person, whatever it is. You can be content. You can be fruitful. So that's the peace part. The next one is the mind, the word mind. So we can have peace when our mind is in a certain state. When our mind, that word mind there is talking about our purposes. Our purposes, so our goals, our motivations. I'm talking within the Christian life here. So we can have peace when our mind, our purposes are what? stayed on the stayed on the lord that word stayed means this leaning against supported by you know i can stand here all day and this wall is not going to fall down so when our purposes are stayed on the lord when we say, yep, I'm leaning on the Lord, when we say, everything I'm here for in this life, I'm leaning on him for understanding with it, for direction in it, then we get that peace. We get that contentment. We're not wandering, wavering, tossed to and fro. We can have rest. That's good. The Lord gives that. He promises that. If we are leaning on him. He doesn't say, just because you're a Christian and you have the Holy Spirit, you just get peace all the time. He says, if you do this, if your mind, if your purposes, your will, everything is leaning against, is supported by me. If I'm behind it all, if I'm the reason for it, you're only standing up because of me, essentially. That, that should be your, your call. I'm only standing here doing this thing because... It's all on the Lord. It's for the Lord. So we can have that peace. Essentially what we're saying is coming back to the big picture, reminding ourselves, why am I here? <laughs> you know, that's a question we also need to just remind ourselves of. Why am I here again? Why am I at church this morning again? Why am I out of my workplace again? Why am I part of this family again? Why am I a Christian again? Why, do I, why should I care about the Lord's return again? So bringing back the big picture and going, oh, that's right, I need to be focused on why I'm here, what it's for, what it's all about. That's essentially what we're saying. Reminding that God should be number one and it's not all about me. And when that happens, when we focus our purposes, our heart, our mind, all of this on him, then unrest just kind of dissipates at least for a time. It doesn't just remove out of your life all the time. 
But when we continue to do this, it just kind of falls away. Anxiety is broken. Clarity is given. God promises this to us, folks. It's a promise from him. We can claim it. We can, like, we can look at it and go, yes, that is available to me, but I also have my part to play in it too. Just like with wisdom. Yes, it's available, but I've got to ask in faith. So you can see that there's, there's something on our half that we have to do. But God's still saying, it's, it's all there. I promise it to you. You can have as much, of you, as much as you want of it. All right, last one here. Isaiah chapter 40. You were in Isaiah 26. Let's go a few pages over to Isaiah 40. And this is the last one this morning. Isaiah 40, verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Praise the Lord for that, hey? That's that's the promise that he gives, that we can have strength. God promises strength that nobody else can give. You can't get it from the gym you can't get it from a you know, powdered milkshake thing from the gym. You can't you know, sign up to some other thing and get this kind of strength. You can put a lot of work in at the gym and get some kind of strength, but you can't get this kind of strength. You can't get it from someone else. You can't borrow it. You can't buy it. It's something that God promises that he gives, and it's not a physical strength, so to speak. It's, it's a spiritual strength. For all those other things, that unrest and adversity and just everything else that we kind of face, he gives strength for those things and it comes from him. But here's what I want to look at. God promises this strength but we also, once again, have our part to play in it because look at this verse in verse 31. But So you can see that he renews strength and mount up with wings as eagles, run and not be weary. I would love that. I love to run, but I don't like the weary part. You know, I went for a run yesterday and it was hot and it was just hard and I was just weary by the end of it. I'd love to be able to get to the end of a run and go, oh, I didn't didn't even feel that. But obviously he's not talking about physical running. He's talking about running the spiritual race, the Christian life. Running and not being weary and walking and not fainting. So he says that we can have all of this, but at the start it says... How do you get it? Wait upon the Lord. There's a promise here that we can have this supernatural strength, but we just got to do our part of just waiting on the Lord. And it's not a, I'm just going to wait around and wait for you know, some sign to like drop out of the sky. I think Lisa and John just sung some lyrics in that song, like something to that effect, like not waiting for him to just show himself like amazingly all the time. But this waiting doesn't mean that. It kind of is talking about actively waiting. It's talking about being purposeful in our waiting. It's talking about being like a waiter in a restaurant. That kind of waiting. A waiter in a restaurant is not just standing there doing nothing. Oh, there's all these people putting their hands up for some reason. They're like going like this. I don't know what they're doing. That's not a good waiter. 
Now, Nicole and I have been in hospitality for a number of years uh, previously, and we noticed a lot of things about waiters. And the best, the best waiters are the ones that are actively waiting. The best waiters are the ones that are not standing around, but the ones that are being attentive to the customer. The ones that are watching for the call, the hand, the, the, just the eyes sometimes. Now, you've done it. Like, you're in a restaurant and you want to get the waiter's attention, but you're just a little bit embarrassed to, like, actually stick your hand up or go, excuse me. So you're just like... <laughs> you know, hoping that they see the signal. The one that picks up on that signal is a good waiter because they're looking for it. They've got a job to do. They're not just, like, standing around doing nothing. They're like, oh, I see that. Yeah, OK, that one needs that and this table needs this. And they're attentive to the customer's requests. They know their job and they're comfortable with it. They know why they're doing it. They're listening. So they can be, you know, preparing something over here, but they're also listening for that, excuse me. They're attentive, listening to the Holy Spirit like we talked earlier. So they are the best, they are the best waiters. And most importantly, they're learning about the customer. They're learning about that person. Hey, the best waiter really is the one that actually interacts with you a little bit, not just, here's your food, or what do you want? They're shocking. Might be really good food, but they're shocking waiters. The one that actually just interacts a little bit and gets to know you. Oh, so you like doing that? Or, you know, ask questions about your life or whatever. And I know, you know, you've got a limited time frame, but they're the ones that you remember. That's the waiting we're supposed to be on the Lord. We're supposed to be like, oh, that's right, I've got a job to do. I've got... I'm supposed to be like glorifying the Lord with my life. Uh, I'm not sure what I'm always meant to be doing, but I'm just trying to learn about God. Like the waiters learning about the customer, just learning about God along the way, waiting on him. And when you learn about God along the way, guess what? Your spiritual muscles start to grow. You get strength because you understand how he works in adversity. You learn that and then it's like, oh, I'm running and I'm not weary. And you're like, wow, this is amazing. This is supernatural. Because if you purpose to learn God, then you get that supernatural strength. You don't get it any other way. It's not just like God goes, zap, now you have spiritual strength all the time. He's saying, no, wait upon me. Listen to me. Learn of me. Didn't Jesus say that? Learn of me. And when you learn of him, then you get his heart. You can serve him better. So that's what it's saying. God's saying, I'll give you this strength. I'm promising you this strength, but you do have a little part to play. Make it about me. Remember why you're here. You know, it's just coming back to the big picture. You know, your strength is renewed when you're reminded that it's him you're serving. Like I said, you know, why we come to church? Serving the Lord. I want to give glory to him. Yes, we're singing songs, but I'm actually singing to him. We're not just... It's not a concert. It's not a play, a production. I'm actually here to sing to him. Hey, do you ever do this? You sing some songs that we sing and you're reading the words as you sing and you go, oh, that's right. <laughs> I forgot that God was like that or, you know, I forgot that truth or something like that. Reminder. It's a reminder. We just, you know, we might sing that song every week and sometimes you just go, oh, actually, yeah, actually, I, I need to, needed to remember that. This is what we're talking about this morning. He's promising all of these things. He's not going to lie to you. He's going to give you. He's given you a comforter to comfort you. He's promised that uh, your your sin is forgotten. It's forgiven. He promises wisdom when you ask in faith. Now these things are all available. They're at our fingertips. 
He promises peace when we're mindful of him and when our purposes are stayed on him. And he promises strength that nobody else can give. Isn't that good? That isn't God good? Isn't his truth good? Isn't it good just to go, I didn't learn anything new today, but I just got reminded of some things that are just good, that are helpful. So hopefully that just is a help today, tomorrow, next week, for somebody else that you're talking to. You know, someone who's struggling, you're like, hey, um, did you know that God's like this? Do you remember that God doesn't lie? You can just use these things along the way. So that's my prayer is that we just be blessed by that this morning, the word of God. And uh, we're done, so we'll just take a word of prayer and then I'll just have a few announcements. So let's just bow our heads, have a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord, uh, for this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the fact that you are the God you say you are. Thank you that you have shown us in your word who you are. Lord, that you've changed our lives and you've helped us with these things along the way. And thank you for promising these things and being able to be trusted, Lord. I thank you that your word can be stood upon, that, Father, we can live our lives according to it, according to who you are. And You give us peace, you give us strength, and, Lord, that you are always truthful. Now, Father, I pray you'd help us to remember these things, to be mindful of these things, Lord. Help us, Lord, even just to get on our knees and thank you for these things, Father, to make it come out of our mouth and enter into our heart a little bit more, Lord. Father, we thank you for who you are. Thank you for who you've made us to be. Thank you, Lord, for our salvation, that it is in you. It comes from you. Lord, I thank you that you hear us when we speak. Thank you that you comfort us when we need it, Lord. Father, I do pray that you continue to help us walk in these things, Lord, to appreciate more and more who you are and who you've made us to be. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the people that are here and we ask that you guide us and bless us for the rest of this day. We pray, Father, you continue to help Pastor Lloyd and, and Brother Paul and Brother Sylvester. Uh, please guide them and be with them. Give them the wisdom, Lord, that we seek for ourselves sometimes, Lord. Your wisdom to be a blessing, to be a help, to be used of you. But Father, I thank you, we love you, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.